All right. How you feeling, 5979? Yeah. All right. I'm excited to be with you guys tonight. Excited to be bringing the word. And we are in a part two of our sermon series on the blood. Pastor Stefan kicked it off two weeks ago, right before Marvel. Uh, and then Pastor Daniel is going to be closing it out next week. So we're right in the middle of it. I'm excited about what we're going to be doing tonight. And so since Pastor Vaughn opened a couple weeks ago, we had Marvel, you know, in between. I want to do a recap, all right, because he definitely laid the foundation that we're going to be building upon tonight. And we actually have a lot of guests in the place, which I'm excited about. So I want to try and catch us all up to speed. So, all right, so Pastor Stefan covered uh, two weeks ago. He said that God's Um, interaction with humanity has always, since Adam and Eve sinned, been on the basis of a blood covenant, right? And then he traced several key examples of that throughout the Old Testament, right? It's, It's all throughout it. There's tons and tons of examples, but he gave you, for example, Adam and Eve, when they sinned, God killed the animals, right? So that they could have, uh, skins as, as clothes, as covering. And then he talked about Noah. We looked at, uh, Abraham. We looked at Moses and the children of Israel when they, the Passover, right? All those examples. You guys with me on that? Okay, good stuff. And so, and in the Old Testament, he, he was telling you guys that in the Old Testament, God established animal blood sacrifice as the key. Somebody say the key. The key to fellowship with God. Where there was no sacrifice, you could have no fellowship with God. That's the way God instituted it. But so now we fast forward to today. And so the reason today that we don't do animal sacrifices anymore is not. Somebody say not. Is not because blood sacrifice is primitive. It's archaic. It's something that just didn't work. It's just the old way of thinking. That's not the reason we don't do it anymore. The reason that we don't do blood sacrifices anymore is because Jesus has already made the ultimate, the final blood sacrifice on the cross. And so the blood is still alive. It is active. It is needed in our lives today, right? But we don't do animal sacrifices. We look back and we pull from the blood of Jesus that he shed 2,000 years ago. Amen? All right, are you guys with me on that? Because that is the foundation. We have to have that settled because that's where we're going to be going from tonight. Oh, and then Hebrews 9.22, it says, In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. Now, that's referring to the Old Testament ways, but it's equally true in the New Testament. That is something that carried over. Where there is no shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. All right, and so from that, tonight we're going to be looking at a benefit that we receive from Jesus' blood. So I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive in. Holy Spirit, just invite you in this place. God, I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase, that your words would come forth clearly. I plead the blood of Jesus over myself, this sermon, every heart in this place, and pray that you would have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, amen. 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 Now the blood of Jesus is so powerful. And there are so many benefits, so many things it unlocks for us as believers. But tonight we're going to just focus on one. 
And the benefit we're going to be looking at tonight is that the blood of Jesus cleanses our consciences. Cleanses our consciences. Now, first of all, we need to determine what is our conscience. Well, I have a video clip that answers this that I want to show you guys. So let's go ahead and check it out. All right, so how many of you guys have seen the, this movie, Pinocchio, before? Oh, yeah. It's an old movie. I understand. It is a really old movie. Of course, we got Disney Plus now, so you can pull up all the, you know, classics and watch them. So, but uh, this video clip nicely gets at the definition of our conscience. Now, obviously, our conscience is not Jiminy Cricket, right? All right. Pinocchio in the story, you know, he's not real. He's not a human. So he doesn't have a conscience. So Jiminy Cricket steps in, as we just saw, to kind of fill that role for him. But for us, we have our conscience. It's something, uh, the definition is the inner sense of what is right or wrong in one's conduct or motives impelling one toward right action. Uh, can we get that up there? I guess you guys are working on it. So, all right. So, um, so that is the definition of our conscience. We all have that. It is a good thing to have a conscience, you know, kind of guiding us when we come up to situations that says, eh, you shouldn't do this or you should do this. And so uh, everyone has one, and the, if the funny thing is the more we try to obey our conscience, the more sensitive we become to it. And the flip side is true. The less you obey your conscience, the more hardened you become. You can actually sear it to the point where you've, uh, you do whatever the heck you want, and it doesn't even bother you anymore. But obviously the ideal scenario regarding our conscience is that we would listen to it, and we would not do the wrong things that we're considering doing. But we live in a fallen world, and we all sin on a regular basis. And so then our guilty conscience, because we, we did the wrong thing, pushes us toward repentance to God and then our fellow humans, if we've wronged them as well. And if that was where it would end, everything would be fine. But many people deal with guilt and regret for things they did in their past that still hangs over them. How many of you guys have ever messed up? Maybe it was a sin, or maybe you hurt someone's feelings in some way, or, or maybe it was you did something completely by accident, something embarrassing, shameful, and that thing, you still, it, uh, you felt it hanging over you. It kept playing in your mind. Let me see those hands, if that's you. Yeah. All of us. I think everyone. How many of you can think of a time where that happened, and it was months or even years after the thing happened. How many of you can think of something like that? Yeah, absolutely. You see, and the reason for this is because of Satan. One of Satan's titles is the accuser of the brethren, meaning he loves. One of his favorite weapons is to come and to remind us of the things we did in the past. And then our conscience actually agrees with the devil and says, yep, it wasn't right when you did that. So to this problem, to this, you know, trap of the enemy, this is where the blood of Jesus is so powerful. And the writer of Hebrews actually talks about this very thing. He said that nothing could cleanse our conscience until the blood of Jesus came. And in this passage we're about to look at, he contrasts the old covenant under Moses with the new covenant under Jesus. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. In Hebrews 9, so this is before the verse we looked at earlier, it's, he said, this is an illustration pointing to the present time. 
For the gifts and sacrifices that the priests offer are not able to cleanse the consciences of the people who bring them. Talking about the old covenant. For the old, that old system deals only with food and drink and various cleansing ceremonies. Physical regulations that were in effect only until a better system could be established. So Christ has now become the high priest over all the good things that have come. Talking about the new covenant. We can pop it up there for him. Thank you. He has entered the greater, more perfect tabernacle in heaven, which was not made by human hands and is not part of this created world. With his, let's say it together, own blood, not the blood of goats and calves. He entered the most holy place once for all time and secured our redemption forever. I'd love on this next one for us to read all of the highlighted words together. Under the old system, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer could cleanse people's bodies from ceremonial impurity. Just think how much more the blood of Christ will purify our consciences from sinful deeds so that we can worship the living God. For by the power of the eternal spirit, Christ offered himself to God as a perfect sacrifice for our sins. Somebody say amen. So what he's saying here is the old covenant, it could only cleanse the exterior. It could make you ceremonially clean, you know, according to the Levitical code and everything, but it couldn't deal with the sin and our guilty consciences. But Jesus' blood, the new covenant, is superior because it is able to deal with the inside of us and to cleanse us inside. And so if I were to kind of summarize what, what the writer of Hebrews is saying here, the blood of Jesus not only removes the penalty of sin, it also removes the guilt of sin. So the penalty of sin, we, we know that is death, separation from God, eternity in hell. And the blood of Jesus removes that penalty from our lives. But it doesn't stop there. It also removes the guilt of sin, our conscience being cleansed. Amen. So, now if you guys are like me, then you may be thinking, well, Pastor Tony, that, that sounds nice, but it doesn't really seem to match my experience. After all, hands went up all over the place when I asked if you dealt with a guilty conscience months and even years removed from it. And I'm right there with you. I mean, me, I'm saved. I've received the blood of Jesus, but it still feels like my conscience is uncleansed. You know, I, I know that God has forgiven me, there's no doubt about that, but it seems like I can't forgive myself. And I was wrestling with this as I was preparing for the sermon. I said, God, I see this in your word, it's so clear, and yet why is this not matching my experience? And God showed me what I was missing. He showed me the answer that I believe is also what is preventing some of you from experiencing a cleansed conscience as well. And what the Lord showed me was that to experience the benefits of the blood, we, have to, we need to apply the blood to our area of need. A couple weeks ago, Pastor Fawn, he talked about the first Passover when Moses, the children of Israel, were in Egypt. And what did the children of Israel have to do in order for their firstborn to be spared from the angel of death? They had to apply the blood to the doorposts of their house. You guys know what the doorposts are, right? To the side, the top, and then the side. Right, so what if the, what if the children of Israel, they, they did like Moses said. They took the lamb into their house. You know, they kept the lamb. Then they slaughtered the lamb. 
filled a bowl full of blood. If they had just done that and stopped right there, would they have been spared from the angel of death? No, say it louder. No. Why? Because they did not apply the blood to the doorposts of their house. So in the same way, Jesus has shed his blood, its benefits and the blood of Jesus, it is available to you right now. But it is up to you whether you are going to apply it to the various areas of need in your life. You see, you can be a Christian and you can believe in the blood and you can still be walking in areas of defeat like a guilty conscience because you have not applied the blood to that area. So now the question is, well, how? How do we apply the blood? What does that look like? We apply Jesus' blood through prayer and faith. Prayer and faith. Now, I know that you guys, some of you may be thinking, you know, that seems like such a church answer. I know this whole subject of the blood's a little abstract. It's certainly spiritual. And so what I want to do is kind of give you a personal example from my life on what this looks like kind of walk you through it, combining it with an illustration. So I'm going to grab a prop that I need. All right. And I need a volunteer, somebody who wants to represent the devil. No? Who wants to represent the devil? Isaac? Isaac, he just jumped right up. So eager. You. Yeah, yeah. All right, Isaac, you're going to be the devil. Don't worry. You're not going to have to do anything too crazy, all right? So. <laughs> All right, so, and I, this blanket right here, this red blanket, is going to represent the blood of Jesus. Isaac is representing the devil. So, all right, I'm going about my day, you know, living my life, doing my thing. All right, and then the devil is going to come, and he's going to begin whispering, reminding me about my past. Come on, bro. You don't want to get that close? There you go. Yeah, yeah, All right, so he's reminding me of things from my past, now, my conscience is agreeing with him. Yep, it wasn't right when you did that. And so, all right, I'm aware. You guys, I, I know what I'm teaching you guys right now. And so, I need you guys to do this with me, all right? Prayer and faith. Prayer and faith. Everybody, prayer and faith, okay? This is, that's how we apply the blood of Jesus. And so, the first tip I want to give you guys is pray out loud. Now, obviously, I know that you guys aren't always in a place where you can pray out loud. You might be at school and the devil's attacking you. You could be in, in a public setting. And, you know, that's totally fine. This still works. Even if you can't pray out loud, just pray it in your spirit, in your mind. But if you can pray out loud, I want to highly, highly encourage you to do it because there is power in the spoken word. God spoke and created. Life and death is in the power of the tongue. So when you speak this out, there's an extra power that's released and it helps you to hear yourself saying it. So what I would do, so the devil's whispering to me and so I'm going to prayer and faith with those, I'm going to apply the blood of Jesus to me. So, I'm, so then I would pray out loud. I plead the blood of Jesus cleansing my conscience. All right, for whatever area he's whispering to me. So if I was short with my wife, you know, and I say, I plead the blood of Jesus, cleansing my conscience from being short with my wife. And at this point, he is silenced. The, the, the enemy is silenced. He cannot speak to that issue because I have pled the blood. All right, you can, you can sit or you can hang because I can use you for one more thing. What you want to do? Hang, he's going to hang. All right, so no, 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 no distractions. No, no, no. All right, so 
I, he is silenced at this point. And then I've pled the blood. So then next step is move on, right? I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm just going to keep on going with my day. If I'm in school, I'm going to turn my attention back to what's going on, whatever it is. And then the next step is repeat as needed because when Jesus, somebody say Jesus. When Jesus was done being tempted in the wilderness, it says the enemy left him until an opportune time, right? That wasn't the end of the temptations for Jesus. You know, he was going to come back, right? And the same is how much more is that true in our lives? So the enemy, he's going to come back. And when he does, you're going to have a fork in the road. You're going to say, all right, am I going to listen to what he's speaking to me? Or am I going to remind him, no, I have pled the blood of Jesus over me. You are silenced. That is, my conscience is cleansed. My past is forgiven. All right, give it up for Isaac. Thank you, Isaac. All right, so, and the reason we need to repeat it, it's not because the blood of Jesus didn't work. I don't, have you got, if you guys have ever ha had a deep and needed to forgive someone, then you know forgiveness in that situation is not a one and done. It is a process. It is something that as you think of it, as the bitterness feelings come back, then you have to say out loud, I forgive this person. You need to release it and you need to bless them again. And you may have to do that a hundred times. You may have to do that a thousand times. And the same is true with things that we're guilty about, uh, feel guilty about. The guilt has been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, but you have to remind yourself and you have to remind the devil that by faith, this is where it stands. My conscience has been cleansed. Now, a couple of things I want to, uh, you know, uh, point out with this as well is that we said prayer and faith, right? You can say all day long, I plead the blood of Jesus cleansing my conscience, but if you don't have faith that that's going to work, it's useless to you. It is absolutely useless. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So we have the promise of God's word. I have a cleansed conscience by the blood of Jesus. You grab a hold of that by prayer and by faith, and then you apply it. But if you don't have faith in it, you know, it's not a magic formula, you know, like abracadabra. You say, I plead the blood of Jesus. You have to have faith, and then you got to pray it out. But there's not a right or wrong phrase here. You know, I personally like, the, I plead the blood of Jesus. It's an older word, but you could say, I receive I claim the blood of Jesus. I drink of the blood of Jesus. You know, any of those things are, you know, fair game, whatever. The, the point is, do you have prayer or do you have faith in what you're praying? And so when we approach God in prayer by faith and ask to receive the blessings of the blood, you can have confidence that he will answer. And Jesus himself, this is so cool, applies the blood when you ask him. It's not by our effort. It's him applying it to our lives. And when we, so when we see a promise, like I said, in Hebrews 9, that we have a cleansed conscience, all you have to do to see that come to life is apply the blood. There's a quote by Maxwell White that summarizes what I'm talking about here, and it's so good, so powerful. It says, it is not enough to believe in an historic blood of Calvary that Jesus died 2,000 years ago. It's not enough. It is necessary that we believe in the fountain. Somebody say, now. now. And by faith, avail ourselves of its power and life. Love is only a word until it is demonstrated. And in like manner, blood is only a word until it is used. So Jesus' blood cleanses our consciences when we apply it by prayer and faith. 
Now, God showed me uh, something else that was uh, preventing me from re receiving a cleansed conscience. I told you guys earlier that, you know, I knew that God had forgiven me, but it seemed I couldn't forgive myself, right? And what God showed me on this is, is a little painful on the surface, but once I embraced it, man, it brought so much freedom and life to me. And Benny Hinn actually summarizes it nicely. Here's another quote. He said, the moment the shed blood of Christ has been applied to your heart, your past is buried. To dwell on it is an insult to God. Now, God had actually revealed this to me another way prior to reading his book on the blood. Uh, Pastor John did a sermon series on the cross, 24 Hours of Jesus. He did this a long time ago, and I was listening to it recently. I was doing a short course with a teenager, and after Pastor John preached on the flogging that Jesus endured, the very next sermon he shared how a woman came to him, and uh, he met with her, and she said that her inability to forgive herself had been completely broken off her life, and it was because of what she had seen and heard in his sermon. When she saw the horrible price that Jesus paid on the cross, all the beatings, all the floggings, Gethsemane, all of it, the demonic oppression, when she saw that, she realized that to say, I can't forgive myself for what I've done, is to say Jesus did not pay a high enough price on the cross. That is why Benny Hinn said it is an insult to God to dwell on your past because God says that Jesus' sacrifice is more than enough, not only to forgive us our sins, but also to cleanse our conscience of those past sins. And the Word of God says this as well. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we are living in the light as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And somebody say it, the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin, all sin. Another translation says every sin. Now, I know you guys are young in this place, but if any of you are dealing with not being able to forgive yourself, I want you to hear me clearly right now. Give me your best attention. Pastor Svon said this a couple weeks ago, but it is so important, it bears repeating. Let me have all eyes up here. Okay, all eyes. I want you guys to hear this. It doesn't matter what you have done. There is no sin too great for the blood of Jesus to cleanse. It doesn't matter how much pornography you've watched. It doesn't matter what sexually perverted things you may have done. It doesn't matter how many lies you've told. It doesn't matter the gossiping, the selfishness, the hatred, the unforgiveness. There is no sin too great that the blood of Jesus can't cleanse you and can't forgive you. And it is so important that we, all of us, myself included, get a hold of this because when we do, the enemy won't be able to use our past to keep us defeated. Instead, we'll be able to walk in victory through the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen. Now, I, this is all pretty new to me as well, so I'm still growing in this, but by the blood of Jesus, I am growing in freedom in this area every day. And so what am I going to do when the guilt pops up? I am going to plead the blood of Jesus and declare that I am forgiven and that my conscience has been cleansed.